and welcome to this episode of Lake Forest on Topic. I'm your host, Tim Finnegan. The goal of this podcast is to give the residents of Lake Forest some information and insight into the happenings in the city. Today, I'll be talking with John Powers. John has lived in Lake Forest for 27 years and is currently the Director of National Accounts for Abbott Diabetes. John has been very active in our community, having served on the Lake Forest Caucus Committee, the Friends of Lake Forest Parks and Recreation Foundation Board, He has also had various roles at the Church and School of St. Mary and is a trustee of the Crystal Ray St. Martin College Prep in Waukegan. In 2013, John was elected to the District 115 Board of Education and served a four-year term. In April of this year, John was elected as a Ward 2 Alderman for the City of Lake Forest. John received a bachelor's degree in economics from the University of Missouri and an MBA from the Lake Forest Graduate School of Management. John, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Tim. Good to be here. So uh, let's start back at the beginning of kind of your civic uh, civic roles. Uh, you were a member of the caucus committee. How did you get involved in that? I was. So, you know, it's kind of funny. Um, I live in Whispering Oaks on Timber Lane. And so Bob Kiley is my neighbor. Okay. I was the sure. city manager at the time. And ironically, George Pandeleon is my neighbor, and Bill Avery at the time was running kind of the plan power commission. center of Lake Forest. Well, I mean, this is the part <laughs> that you'll connect with very quickly. So we had a block party one August Sunday afternoon, and Bob kind of talked to me and said, hey, have you uh, looked into the Lake Forest Caucus? And I said, what's the Lake Forest Caucus? Like any new member of the community. And so he explained it a little bit, and I said, look, I'd happy to be get involved at the appropriate time. So the next morning, the phone rang, and it was the president of the Lake Forest Caucus <laughs> asking, you know, hey, would you like to formally get involved? And we have a, you know, we have a volunteer profile sheet that people go through. So that was kind of my start. And it, you know, was very, very consistent to what you and I know is kind of volunteerism at St. Mary's, mm-hmm. right? You get tapped on the shoulder, somebody asks you to do something, and as long as you're willing to serve you know, you move forward. Mm -hmm. And so that's what happened. So I got involved. I I believe I was on the caucus from 2003 to 2006. Okay. Um, And, you know, to me, the caucus is as simple as community volunteers trying to find more community volunteers that can serve on all our boards and commissions. So it's it's that simple. So it's it's reaching out to your neighbors. It's knowing new people that move to town that want to get involved, that want to take an active role in the community. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of how it started. And then subsequently, you know, the other thing I like about it is you can only do a three-year term on the actual caucus body. Now, you can serve additional years being in executive leadership on the caucus, mm-hmm. but I just did a three-year term on the caucus. Excuse me. <clears throat> and then I termed off, and then Robin went on. So she, she kind of got tapped on the shoulder, too, and so she stepped through, and Robin is my wife. Um, and, you know, it just, it, it's great that you kind of have your one and done, because mm-hmm. you always need new blood to be a part sure. of it. So I know you're not the official caucus spokesman, um, but do you mind if we kind of use you to help explain to people what exactly is the caucus and what does it do and how it works in Lake Forest. So let's just start with the purpose you've kind of summarized already is, you know, volunteers helping to find volunteers. So what is it that you're trying to find volunteers for? Yeah, so it's a little more structured. So it's it's based on ward. Mm -hmm. So the caucus system started in 1935 in Lake Forest. So it's been fairly historic and the legacy of it is has kind of preserved the volunteerism spirit of Lake Forest. 
um, there are six sitting caucus members from each ward. So the wards over time have kind of shifted in size. For example, the second ward is probably the smallest ward in, in the city. Not in a meaningful way, but mm -hmm. just due to population and based upon where growth is. Mm -hmm. um, but the caucus system is still kind of maintained the this, this six active members. And then there's anywhere from six to seven executive members on the caucus that serve anywhere from, you know, fundraising to marketing to president to vice president to secretary, etc. Um, and the mayor uses the caucus to identify and vet potential candidates that serve on all the boards and commissions. So the city really works out of pure volunteerism for the most part. Now, not obviously the, you know, the city manager is certainly paid by the city and so is the city staff, but the boards and commissions are all volunteer. So whether you're on zoning board, whether you're on historic preservation, whether you're on plan commission, park and rec board, those need to be volunteers from respective committee, community neighborhoods to serve on that committee. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of the purpose of the six people in each ward. So you kind of have more of a grassroots ability to connect to a broader group of people. If it, in my opinion, if it were just, you know, two or three people, it'd be, you know, kind of, and, it, and the caucus gets a bad rap as, you know, old boys network and it's guys drinking bourbon down in the basement of the First Press Church. That, it hasn't been that for a long, long time, if it ever was that. I don't know. That's always how the story goes, right? <laughs> um, but by having six members in each particular ward, you have the ability to tap into different people with different skill sets and, most importantly, different tenures uh, of the city. We've got, we're blessed with generational families that have been here two, three, and sometimes four generations. Um, then we've got the kind of in-between folks like you and I that we weren't necessarily born and raised here, mm -hmm. um, but we've had a chance to come back, and it's certainly been home for our families and our kids. So those different groups, and then the brand-new people that have been in town too. Um, I, I, sat at my, uh, I sat at the annual meeting with the caucus when they announced that I was one of their candidates for aldermen. Um, I said the one unique thing that, that all those groups have is we're, we call this home. Mm -hmm. so, so we've all made the decision to make Lake Forest our home, whether we've been here for 40 years or four. It's, um, it's home for us, and, and everybody's got the right to be involved, and, and everybody's opinions are important. Has <clears throat> it been difficult to recruit people into the caucus? I mean, is it generally all the positions get filled? Um, you know... I, I'd have a tough time answering that historically. I know, um, so I was, I was recruited by Stu Dixon, Frank Pasquese, and Lauren Torelli. Lauren was the head of the ward at the time. And, and having known, you know, Stu over the years and Frank, my name popped up on the radar, you know, after my little, you know, uh, community barbecue and black party. <laughs> Um, so I got to know those guys, and then the very first responsibility, other than the immediate slate that you need to put forward for the mayor, is, okay, who's terming off and who else do we want to bring on? Um, so it does, it, 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 it can be a little, um, you know, comfy from a neighborhood perspective because those are the people you know the best mm -hmm. right um but it was so easy as you branch around town and you know uh, 
the the exposure we have through St. Mary's, right? Mm -hmm. People that live in all the different wards and people that move in and out of town. It's really easy when you're kind of involved in multiple things to be able to identify people that can fill those slots. Um, you know, Chris Bennis, who's the president now, and Joe Oridi, who's the vice president, you know, those guys might be per great guests in the future that mm -hmm. can can really give you the more official pitch because sure. I'm a little dated in terms of my time. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I'm a fan of it. I think it works. It needs people that really want to reinvest in the community and, and people that kind of have a common sense approach to you know, trying to find the best people to volunteer in, in you know, the timeline that's required because you know, you, people term off these boards and commissions all the time. Sure. So <clears throat> 2013, you become a candidate to, to be on the high school Board of Education, District 115. Uh, how did that come about? You know, it's, it's a downstream result of having been on the caucus. Um, somebody reached out in my ward and asked if I'd be interested. I was really skeptical that I'd get selected, to be honest with you. Um, so I agreed to go through those interviews. Um, and they start between usually... Um, the person running the ward for the caucus, you have a coffee, you have a one-on-one -on -one conversation, they pull, you know, a few other people from the ward in, and if everybody agrees, hey, we want to put, you know, powers in front of the whole second ward caucus, then you have a full-blown interview, which is very conversational over about an hour or so. Um, and it's really designed to make sure that you're doing it for the right reasons. You don't have like, so one of the things that was funny that came up with me, uh, from time to time, people would shoot me stuff that people would write on comment pages on, you know, pioneer press or something. Mm -hmm. And somebody's like, you know, what is power serving on the school board for when his kids didn't even go to, you know, Lake forest schools? Well, partially true my kids went to st mary's and i was serving on the 115 and both my kids went to the high school yes um but but that's kind of the that's an example of the misconception that gets out there right somebody states something that isn't necessarily true um and unless somebody catches it or sets the record straight you know you don't really know how it's going to unfold but um i went through those that interview process um, and then was eventually selected by the caucus to be the candidate and then had to get elected, of course. And it was, it was Ted Mormon was running as an independent at That's the time. Right. So we had one independent candidate on the ballot with four other caucus representatives. So I was fortunate enough, if you will, to have garnered. Yeah, um, the we can debate whether slot. that, as we get to the next part of this, whether or not that was fortunate. I, had, I got one of the top four slots, and then and then was uh, was proud to have served. Uh, I only served one term, mm -hmm. right? So you have the ability to serve two, which is eight full years. My concern at the time is, as shared with the caucus, I said, "Look, I'm happy. I can do more, but I can't do eight. And I was really concerned that if I were to do two more years and resign, then it's a, a board-appointed member mm -hmm. that serves the remaining term. And I wanted to make sure that um, the caucus vetted the appropriate volunteer to step in behind me. And it was Tom Nemechus, ironically mm -hmm. enough. So, um, so Tom stepped in and did a great job. So back, back when you were on the board, and it, it seems like a long time ago, 
and I guess it kind of was a long time yeah, ago, but there, it was uh, it was a pretty difficult time because uh, going through the process of hiring a new principal, and and that caused uh, some divisiveness inside the community. And and I remember ha- the meetings having to be held at different places, so more we people could come. The crowds, and, yeah. and standing room only, and you know, the first thing in the morning. How did the how did the board handle that whole situation? You know, it it it's a big area of frustration for me because when you're sitting on the dais and people have a chance to make community comment, it's set up to be three minutes of their opinion and over onto the next person. Mm-hmm. So it's not Q and A, yep. and you can't. It, it it's not even set up where you can. Um, you can correct the record, so to speak, right? As my example earlier, when someone makes a comment that, that wasn't entirely true or entirely factual, you still can't even correct it. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was, you know, it was, um, it is what it is, right? At that time, we had, we were searching for a new principal. Um, we had just, the board just prior to me had just brought in the new superintendent. So Mike Simic was one year in when I joined. So he's still kind of feeling things out. And then uh, my third year is when Dr. Shayla Holland came forward as a candidate, or Mike identified her through multiple processes. And then she was vetted through some parent community volunteers and some appointed people, again, trying to get a broad section of parents to be able to, you know, make comments on what they think is best. And that did turn, that, that turned a little political. It turned a little contentious. It was frustrating for, I think, a lot of citizens that felt very strongly whether or not Dr. Holland was the right person at the right time. Um, I think looking back on it and her having served seven years, I think it was a very successful tenure. I have a ton of respect for Shayla. I mean, I, I went down with Reese Marcuson um, and we had about a, if memory serves, two, two and a half hour coffee with Shayla in Evanston just to get to know her because she came forward as a, a recommended candidate from the superintendent. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was important for Reese and I to kind of get our own, develop our own opinion and have our own kind of little Q&A and what if and what do you think and are you worried about all those kinds of questions. Um, and, you know, it, it went well. The community, you know, I think, I think what happened is if memory serves, and it's not as good as it used to be, so if you can find a way to correct this down the road, <laughs> feel free. You have creative license. Um, you know, Shayla wrote a lot of provocative things as part of her doctoral mm-hmm. degree at the University of Chicago, right? And, and those things were taken as kind of literal as to what she would do and how she would respond. I think I think ultimately her record shows that that isn't the way she led at our high school. Um, the kids, I think from, it's funny, uh, you know, when I'd ask my son Jack, um, hey, what do you think of Dr. Holland? He's like, Dr. Who? You know, so as a freshman or sophomore boy, <laughs> exactly. you didn't even know who the principal was, right? Um, but as the kids get older, I think they get a little more dialed in. But um, but she was very, very student-focused, and, and I think her heart was clearly in the right place, as it is for most educators, right? Mm-hmm. It, it's a tough job if you're not in it, you know, uh, for the long term. You're not really committed to try to, you know, be the best educator you can. 
So when you look back on your time on the, on the 115 board, what, what are some of the things um, that you took out of it personally and that you're, you're proud of having been a part of? Well, there's so many. The Illinois State Board of Education require, there's so many things the board has to do, right? The simplicity of it is you have one employee, which is the superintendent. Mm -hmm. So you hire and fire the superintendent. Um, you have to approve all expenditures over $25,000. Um, and you have to set um, the tax levy for the year. So those are the three formal responsibilities you have. Now, wrapped around all that is all kinds of um, unfun activities to a lot of degree. Because uh, now, and I didn't take the job because I thought it was going to be fun. <laughs> I did it as a responsibility. But there are lots of things that come up, particularly when you're dealing with the health and wellness of kids. Sure. And our kids. Yep. You know, so what they experience from a learning perspective, what they experience from a bullying perspective. Um, Mike Simic always had a great line, which which made perfect sense and people got it. But he's like, look, the board's job is to be on the balcony, not on the dance floor. Right. We're not a managerial board. It's a governance board. But, you know, you can only see so many things being on the bal being on the balcony. Right. Mm -hmm. We ran into issues that would pop up you know, that's, that sometimes weren't very pleasant to deal with that you'd be forced to deal with. Some of it involved legal issues. Some of it involved truly health and wellness of students. Um, and that's that becomes your responsibility as a board member. Nobody likes to do those things, but you want to make sure you do them the right way and, mm -hmm. and you're, you're fair and efficient because it's always about the taxpayer's money. And oftentimes we err on maybe we'll settle this because it'll save us some money. But you set precedents a lot of times that may, you know, the next time it comes up, the next person's going to be like, well, they're just going to settle this anyway. Yeah. So, you know, we may be able to get away with stuff. And that's the balance, right? We'd have a lot of those those conversations. Um, I was I was really impressed with the skill set of, of all the people I was, I was able to serve with over that four-year period of time. And even subsequently... You know, now Sally Davis and I were on the board together. Sally's finishing her second term. Um, Sally was incredibly bright, thoughtful, um, just really, really logical about what to do. So we connected right away. You know, Todd Bergner was originally the, the board president when I joined. Um, and Todd was very much the same, and he and he was kind of wired with me about it being efficient and effective because these mm -hmm. meetings can drone on from time to time. Um, so that's kind of the you know that in a nutshell, in a long-winded nutshell, that's kind of the the focus that we had and and just the responsibility of of board members. I had the benefit because we had a little we had an older group right being the high school. Mm -hmm. The challenges at District 67 or in District 65 in Lake Bluff, those are completely different, right? Because mm -hmm. I'm sure you recall when we're young parents, right, the concern, the issues, your involvement is much greater than when all of a sudden you have a sophomore that's trying to learn to drive. Those yeah. are a different set of issues as opposed to early childhood yeah. type stuff. So it's a big difference. So after you finished on 115, uh, you took a little break from city politics but uh, your civic efforts instead went to the Friends of the Parks. Uh, how'd you get involved with them? You know, I, I attended the Lake Forest Festival and fireworks. Um, 
really loved it. Mark Milliman, a mutual friend of ours, was on the board at the time. Um, I was invited to attend a meeting to get a feel for what we were doing. I met Rick Amos and Steve Hill that were very active on the board at those pine, as well as dozens of others. Mm-hmm. Um, but it really, you know, Fred Jackson is the one that sits at the genesis of the whole thing, right? It was his idea to develop a foundation board to support Park and Rec. Mm-hmm. So, so it, it's great to see Fred's dream, you know, of what he envisioned the Park District to be over time. You know, we talk about community development. Park District's a perfect example of that, right? It was, um, it, it was nothing back when, you know, I was a kid growing up hardly. Lucky if you had a couple ping pong tables, you know, at the rec center before they built the new facility. Um, but it was, it was a great cause. As you know, the, we don't have a real park district, right? It's not a taxing entity. Mm-hmm. So it's a chance for, um, you know, community members to raise additional dollars to support both scholarships, physical needs, capital needs. One of the big projects I think the friend's working on now is the boardwalk down at the beach that washed away a couple of years ago. That needs to be rebuilt. So I know they're working on public-private funding to the tune of, I think, about $1.2 million in order to try to get that put in place. So it's another service, another convenience that community members can experience. So, so I mean, the the role of the foundation, you know, it sounds like it's it's pretty vital to the success of our, our park and rec program here. The board has raised a lot of money. Um, you know, we had the festival and fireworks, we had the tree lighting, and we had the Fred Jackson golf tournament, um, which is probably the most successful fundraiser. But the, the friends built the pavilion out of Townline Park. Um, we project managed the halfway house at the golf course. I mean, that was largely a gift from Nancy Hughes mm-hmm. that made that happen. So I don't want to misrepresent the, the foundation didn't raise the money for that. We just helped kind of manage it along with mm-hmm. all, the, all the improvements at Deer Path at the golf course. Um, so it's... Um, it's, it's been really effective. They've helped with the sailing program down at the beach, whether it's new sailboats needed. Um, I think the one of the biggest successes most recently has been the rescue boat that was a combination of the friends' involvement. Era Goshgarian, the third ward alderman, did a masterful job with Rick Amos in getting funds from both Northwestern Medicine and Lake Forest Bank and Trust to kind of support the need. Because as you guys probably know, um, especially being boaters to a degree, we had like a little Zodiac boat that was, there was one in Lake County. Um, and it was shared with anybody with water. Hmm. Not, forget Lake Michigan for yeah. a minute, just all the little lakes. Yeah, yeah. And there was an emergency, that's where the boat was going. Um, we felt the need because as big as our beach is and then having had some accidents down there, it was really important to do something different. And, and because of ERA's leadership and, and several other people, um, not the least of which is Sally Swarthout, and the city um, got involved to try to make that happen. And it's been, I think, a great, great addition to the safety and security of, of recreation in Lake Forest. Mm-hmm. Well, <clears throat> then quote our, our friend Michael Corleone in Godfather 3, right? Just when I thought 
I was out. They pulled me back in. You were nominated by the caucus uh, and elected to the city council um, this year to represent Ward 2. Uh, why did you decide to do that? So, you know, I've, I've always had a willingness to serve, right? At the top of our, call, our conversation, we talked about St. Mary's, mm -hmm. right? I know you've done as much as I have, if not more, between coaching and school advisory council, etc. So... When somebody reaches out to you, and if you're if you're willing to give kind of time, talent, and te treasure to make it better, um, you've already kind of mentally put yourself in a position that if asked, I'll serve. Mm -hmm. um, I was asked a couple years ago to go through the process. Um, I wasn't able to do it with with work and family commitments. I was traveling pretty frequently, and there's no way I thought I could dedicate the time. Um, so when I got the call again, this last go around, I'm not traveling nearly as much and my kids are out of college now. They're off working on their own. So that's changed. My wife's retired. Um, so we're not doing the, you know, daily double trying to manage the complexity of the home front. So in a way I could be a little more selfish with my time and as part of that selfishness, dedicate some of it back to the city. So um, and, you know, to be honest with you, um, I didn't really know much about the inner city workings and how city council operates. So there was a learning part for me, too, that, hey, this could be something that, that's interesting at the same time. So if I fit the bill and, and, I'm, and I'm asked to serve and get elected, then I'll, I'll do it willingly. So... Um, and a lot of these things, you get out more of them than you get out more than you put into it. Um, the jury's out on that. I'm the new guy. I think <laughs> I'm two months in with a handful of meetings. Um, but the makeup of the council, I, I think, is fantastic. The the senior leadership with the Jim Preschlack and, and Eileen Weber is great. I mean, they you know they survived the whole COVID thing, and and so they've kind of navigated those waters already. And so those of us that are new get the benefit of kind of their leadership a little bit. Ted Notes also, so mm -hmm. he's, my, he's my colleague in the second ward. Um, so it's, um, I, I, I suspect, you know, it's going to have its moments. We know it is, right? <laughs> it's, it's all good until it isn't, yeah. uh, as they say. Um, and we'll have to deal with it, right? Hopefully my experience and expertise over the last, you know, 34 years as a business professional will help. Hopefully some of my volunteers' experience will help as well. But, you know, it, it's emotional. It gets emotional for a lot of people. Whether it should or shouldn't, I'm not the person to be the judge of that. But it's, it, the community means a lot to a lot of people, and it's kind of, it's kind of our job to keep polishing the golden egg, so to speak, and not screw it up. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> you know, this was a, a, a difficult election here, not so much your, your aldermanic race, but the, the mayoral race. Yeah. Um, there were a lot of strife and hard feelings between friends and neighbors, uh, over something that was taken for granted the majority of the time I've lived in this town. Uh, right. You know, I, I think back, uh, I think when uh, Don Schoenheim became mayor, it's because the guy that was mayor got transferred for his job. Yeah. I mean, it's like a right. very different view of the world, right? Oh, like, oh, he can't be mayor anymore. He's, he's got to move for work. Um, but this year, you know, there, there was disagreement on um, the way it normally goes, i.e. the caucus now nominate someone and they run unopposed and said there was a uh, contentious election. Um, 
someone that was in the room, so to speak, this year, you know, what should have been done differently? Why, why did this happen? Well, so to be clear, I wasn't in the room. I was part of the same process, mm-hmm. right? So Prue and Randy and others went through the I meant that euphemistically in the got room, it, part got of it. it but, got yeah. it. Um, but Prue Byler and Randy Tack went through a similar process of being vetted by the whole caucus, mm-hmm. right? Um, and I, I was kind of on a parallel rail with that, so I didn't have any insight into what the caucus was doing. Matter of fact, um, I received a phone call um, the, let's see, bef- the day before the annual meeting, I received the phone call that I was going to be the caucus candidate, mm-hmm. right? It went down to the why there were several of us at the last minute, and they picked me. And then, then it was, hey, can you be at our annual meeting tomorrow? Um, and say a few things, and we're going to introduce the caucus slate. Um, and there's a vote from three to six before the meeting. And I said to Phil Aruka, who was my ward chair, I said, what are we voting on? I, I literally had no idea mm-hmm. as one of the candidates. I'm like, when I was on the caucus, there was no vote. We, we put forward the candidates okay. we selected, and they went on the ballot, the municipal ballot in the spring, and you either got it voted on by the community or you didn't. So I was even unaware of, of this process and how it unfolded. Okay. So um, I was as surprised as anybody. Uh, my friend Chris Collins calls me right before we were going to play paddle tennis down, and I think we were heading down to Glenview somewhere. And he's like, hey, did you hear about the vote? And I, of course, said, what vote? <laughs> and, you know, he laid out kind of what happened or didn't uh-huh. happen. And that's how I learned about it. Yeah. So, you know, there, there's discussion about, again, some heightened awareness of the caucus system because of this. Sure. Uh, Which I think is very healthy, yeah. by the and, way. And and uh, one of the discussions is, you know, is, is that a, a system that's obsolete uh, in this day and age versus... Um, you know, what most municipal politics are, uh, which aren't necessarily partisan, but they're, you know, they're elections, somebody gets signatures, they go on a ballot, and they, they run. Uh, there are a few places that still have caucuses in place with varying degrees of, of power, but n- none, I think, kind of, um, well, that, that has gotten the attention like this has this year. Uh, Agreed. And and so is it is it doing what it's supposed to do? Is it... You know, you you jokingly refer to the guys in the basement drinking bourbon, making the deals, uh, which, you know, maybe happened, maybe didn't, like you said. But is there a feeling that that's kind of what it is? It's like an insider game that, you know, hey, John knows Jim, who knows Tim, and, like, we'll we'll go from John to Tim to Jim and keep it in in the family. Or are we getting diversity of views for a community that's very different than it was, you know, 25 years ago, both in size and, and in makeup? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, th- I think it still very much works. Um, I think, you know, the biggest challenge to your point is the perception of what the caucus is um, rings true for those that haven't bothered to educate themselves. And I'm not stereotyping the whole community. I'm just mm. saying for people that have actually gone to a meeting or or went to a ward meeting to learn about it, I think you kind of see like, okay, wait, this is, this is what it is, and that's not what I thought, 
right? Mm -hmm. So I think there's a fair element of that. Um, I think it's, you know, when you look back at city government and all the boards and commissions, um, and, I, and I would acknowledge, as I already have, this year was certainly unique. Um, but we've had contested elections before. I remember years and years ago, you know, my neighbor George Grumley put together a whole slate of candidates to take over, he, you know, a Ward 1, Ward 2, Ward 3, Ward 4, and mayor. This is when Michael Burns ended up getting elected as the second ward alderman mm -hmm. through that process. So, so people get frustrated over time and they challenge it, um, which I think is healthy. Um, and, you know, the voters ultimately decide. I, I think it's worked really well for a long time that giving up on it doesn't make any sense at this point. Now, 20 years in, from now, is it going to be in place? I, I mean... I don't know if I knew the answer to that, you know, it, it would, <laughs> I'd be doing something else probably, yeah. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, it's, it's tough because, you know, I, I don't know Prue well. I've served on the golf course committee with her. I've had, um, a couple conversations with her. Um, she's done more for the community than I could ever hope to in terms of her volunteer spirit. Um, I just think it became, it kind of became ideological in a way, um, whether that was forced upon her or driven from outside influences. Mm -hmm. um, but she, you know, Frank's one of those generational family. I think, I think Prue and Frank live in his grandparents' house, right? So they've been here a really long time and have been contributing members in a whole host of ways. You talk about time, talent, treasure, you know, they've certainly done that. Um, it just, you know, I think it was, I think it was a process kind of hiccup in a lot of ways. And I think, I think it didn't get off the right, it didn't get set off on the right path right out of the chute. And that turned a lot of people off, you know, yeah. like for the emails about, I think it's time for a woman specifically. I know my wife was offended. She's a 32 year pharmaceutical exec that has no problem competing with anybody, mm -hmm. you know, let alone, you know, other talented males or females. Um, and so I think that, I think that had an impact a little bit. Um, but you know, hopefully, hopefully we're better for it. Mm -hmm. Um, I think Chris Bennis, the pre caucus president and Joe Aridi, the vice president had, I mean, they, they lived it right. Talk about somebody in the room. Those guys know what was going on and I think they know how to make the adjustments mm -hmm. and I think they'll be able to explain it in a very articulate way and, and share where it may have gone wrong and how it's it's going to be fixed going forward. Or at least that's my hope. Yeah, I would hope so too, right? I think that, that needs to be kind of the outcome. You can't change what's already occurred, but you can certainly influence what's going to happen next. And for the caucus to continue to have kind of this widespread support it's supposed to yeah. have, right, where all, all the voters are, are, are members of it, that uh, that there probably needs to be some sort of a communication process and a clarification going forward and and um, change that perception that well, that, it, I, that it's not an insider game that it's it's really just trying the best to uh, to find the right people. Yeah, and I totally agree with you. Our community, the 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 makeup of, of Lake Forest and Lake Bluff, let's throw Lake Bluff in there too, is very different today than it was 50 years ago. Mm -hmm. um, and so we need to be able to adjust to that. Um, and if people are vetting 
through the caucus process the right way, whether it be school board or city council or any other board or commission, mm -hmm. um, I think we should be able to get a pretty decent cross-section of people with all different kinds of beliefs. Mm -hmm. I can honestly tell you, I've not been in one political conversation when I was on the school board, and I certainly haven't been into one in the last two months, right? Because mm -hmm. what we do isn't national politics. It's... You know, as, as Randy says from time to time, city government can be boring, and when it works well, it is kind of boring, mm -hmm. right? Because you're just doing the basic blocking and tackling. Um, so from that standpoint, I think, uh, I think there's plenty of room for different people's perspectives, and, and that's going to unfold as we talk about Central Business District down the road and what's the, what's the plan for further development of the community and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. So, so in, in off, off the politics side, sure. the practicalities of, of governing, in, you know, uh, running a city of 20,000-ish, um, you know, what do you see your role as an alderman? What are you going to try and accomplish in this term? So that's a great question. I, re I, I have monthly meetings with Jason Wisha, right, just to make sure we're communicating. He does it with all the aldermen. He does it with the mayor. Um, and he asked me that exact same question, and I said, you know, I can honestly tell you I have no, I have no particular plan as to what I want to see happen. What I, what I hope happens as a sitting alderman is efficient and effective government, right? Uh, I hope, you know, one of the reasons I'm here is I'm hoping that we have a much more direct line of communication with our citizens. It's hard to do. You know, me sitting on Timber Lane in the second ward, you know, I talk to my neighbors frequently, but you don't always talk about city government. Mm -hmm. And when people have issues or concerns, you know, they don't know really where to go or what questions to ask. And oftentimes it gets funneled into City Hall and it gets vetted from there, which is certainly a, an appropriate path. Uh, but Ted Notes and I have talked about this, too. It's like, hey, what do we, how do we position ourselves for people within our communities in a much better way? What can we do? We've talked about silly stuff like let's just sit in your driveway or my driveway on a Saturday with the table with coffee and talk to anybody that wants to drive <laughs> by, right? Um, we're trying to create different kind of platforms to do that. Dane Olson's done a fabulous job as the city's trying to communicate more out, mm -hmm. right? It's more of a push, right? Because there's not a whole lot of question and answer. There, there's certainly Q&As that get distributed accordingly. Um, but we have to be willing to engage when our constituents want to invest the time to engage, right? Not just, oh, you're a little late because we talked about that two months ago. Yeah. I don't mean after a vote. I mean, yeah. if leading up to somebody has real concerns about, you know, uh, the city's ideas or concepts about the central business district and they're 100% against, you know, ideas two, three, and eight, that needs to be revealed so people know and understand and get on the same page as Which to what is, that is. Which you know, kind of leads to my next question. Lake Forest has always had, you know, a balancing act between, you know, development and what needs to happen in the city um, to be a, a vibrant community and, and preservation of what's always been here. And there, there are very strong feelings, I think, on both sides of that. Um, how well do you think we do with that? Well, so when you say preservation to me, the first thing I think of is our culture, right? I don't really think of a physical building necessarily, right? Because we've seen, 
we've seen all kinds of buildings in town take on different shapes and sizes. I mean, Lake Colonial used to be the fire station, right, <laughs> years ago. Um, so when you think of preservation, I, I, the way I look at it is it's, it's my job to become a subject matter expert, right, because I'm ultimately going to eventually have a vote on approving or not approving something. I think we have a significant benefit because of the zoning board, um, historic preservation, plan commission. They properly vet a lot of this before it even comes up to vote at the city council level. So if, if I'm willing to keep an open mind and I learn that process, I'll probably come, I mean, you know me, I'll, have, I'll certainly have an opinion, an opinion that gets formed sooner versus later. It's not like you're going to be an ultimate holdout until the very end and then surprise somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I don't think surprises are anything our community likes, good or bad. I think it's important that um, as we start figuring out what it is we need to do as a community or, or the direction I think we're going, um, that that gets, that gets communicated out to everybody and everybody has a chance to kind of weigh in on it. Yeah. Uh, you, you talk about the central business district plan and, and you know different other things going on in the uptown section as well as you know we've done a lot down at the beach and the, yeah, yeah. And the lake there's, there's there's a lot going on there will always continue to be a lot going on how, how do we make sure that these discussions can be reasonable and civil and productive I mean how is that you know so I'm going to harken back to one of the comments I made before when it when it is a th- three-minute community comment, that only creates frustration for a lot of people. Uh, First of all, for me on the school board side, if you get three minutes, you better be done in three minutes. Because when it goes to five, and I'll speak selfishly, and I know myself better than I know anybody else, and I'm sitting here at 1130 at night, now I'm tired, I'm frustrated, I'm snarky, maybe not verbally, but certainly in my <laughs> mind I am. Um, and that's when it goes off course, right? We need, we need to have an environment um, where I think these ideas get communicated. The other thing that I think is important for people to know is just because Tim Finnegan thinks this is a really, really cool idea doesn't mean I'm going to support it, right? If you were... if, if mm-hmm. You and I were having that debate. Um, I, I hope I would respect your point of view. I hope I would do everything I can to understand your point of view. And most importantly, if I was in disagreement with you, I hope I'm sharing that with you up front and soon, right? Mm-hmm. So that we could have we could have that dialogue if needed or that phone conversation. Or we can create a much more formal environment to have that, that conversation. I've said to Bob Kiley multiple times, I walked out of several Forest Park meetings, community meetings, um, for five years. Remember that? Mm -hmm. We vetted trying to improve Forest Park, which is the entry to our beach. Yes. And it was only going to be good, right? But but Bob, he took methodically... um, five years to kind of go through that process before we forced it to be kind of the vote necessary to move forward, Mm -hmm. right? Um, I don't know that anybody has the luxury of time for 
five years to be a vetting process necessarily for one kind of item. Central Business District is much more complex than Forest Park. Yes. Um, and I realize that a lot of people down on Lake Road view that as their front yard. I respect that, but they also have to understand it's not your front yard. <laughs> you and I have access to it as well, and, and everybody in the community should be able to use it. Um, particularly when it, you know, sits atop of what I think is a great resource for the community that's, you know, now what going on 30 years old or so or something close to it. Mm -hmm. um, so I think it's important that, that we do that. Thoughtfulness is a big issue, right? Any, any more, it's, it's not uncommon. The minute somebody honks a horn, a finger comes out the driver's window is the response, right? Even though the person's texting, sitting at the stop sign, or the stoplight, and they're not moving forward. So mm -hmm. it, it, unfortunately, that's kind of the, that reactionary mode, I think, has become second nature for some of us, not all of us. Um, I think we need to work through that a little bit. Um, I don't know that I have a whole lot of suggestions right now as mm -hmm. to how to do that, but I think that's, that gets people kind of off on the wrong foot, and sometimes they never get their footing back right, to be able to be a little more thoughtful and respectful. Um, again, I think these kinds of environments, you guys will have ample opportunity to vet and, and ask questions, provocative ones, rhetorical ones, when all this kind of unfolds. And now there's more platforms to give us the ability, you know, to be like, oh, hey, you know what, I should dial into that just to make sure I'm thinking about it the right way. Um, and I think we have great we have really solid leadership from past mayors, Don Schoenheider certainly being one, George Pandaleon being another. There's countless ones. I know Jim Swarthout was very actively involved in talking to people about, you know, what what his ideas and thoughts were. Hey, have you thought about this, this, or that? Mm -hmm. um, so I think that's helpful. That guidance kind of creates a, a forum that's a little more civil. Um, but when it goes wrong, it goes wrong, right? People do get upset, and people feel as though, you know, they're not being heard or we're making the wrong decision, and, you know, you, you bet on it. You can bet on it in, a, in an election. You can bet on it in articles and editorials. You can do a lot of things. So, Well, John, thank you very much uh, for talking with me today. Best of luck on the council. Uh, I look forward to following up in a little while with you again and figuring out uh, where it all went right or, or, or wrong. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully no, right. I, no, I, uh, I really appreciate being on. And, and going forward, look, please, let's make sure we create that dialogue. You know, whether it's a quick phone call or it's, hey, we have three topics. We want you to jump back on and you got to answer these three things. Um, I think that's healthy. I, w I do want to state... Um, me being on this all the time is not good, <laughs> right? There's so many, I'm, I'm one of seven, right, that, yeah. that are oftentimes more skillful and more capable and more intelligent than I am. And I hope that, I hope that there's ways to get those folks, as well as people like Jason Wisha, um, you know, Dana Olson, who are incredibly bright, thoughtful, considerate people to be able to comment on stuff too, because they can help, they can help adult, you know, alter the processes um, that really hope, hopefully gives us a bigger voice to the community. 
Lake Forest on Topic is a production of Lake Forest for Transparency Organization. To learn more or leave feedback, go to lf4transparency.com. That's lf4transparency.com. This podcast is produced by Jennifer Karras and John Turkla. Sound engineering by John Turkla. I'm Tim Finnegan. Thanks for listening and have a great day.